It's Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 79 for Wednesday, November 14th, 2018. How you doing, onesies? You guys doing good? Has it been a good week for you? The snow is falling in Ottawa now, and uh, and it sucks, but it's not as bad as it could be, right? Mid-November when the snow first comes, there's uh, there's bigger things to complain about. Uh, this week, I'm going to tell you guys about some of the samplings I did. I did a show at, uh, at a wedding venue this last week i got to meet rick mercer big canadian icon you people listening in other countries probably have no idea who he is but very very funny uh, canadian i have started going back to the gym and i am eating better so i've got all sorts of great things to tell you guys about but kicking it off right away this episode i want to get into uh, just something kind of fun my roommate kamar you guys have heard the interview with kamar you hear uh stories about him occasionally kamar and uh, a couple of his friends have started up their own podcast so i definitely want to uh, take the opportunity to say great job i support that entirely 100 and uh and kamar is sitting here with me now he's gonna be a guest for the first little part of the uh the episode this week thanks for uh, for sitting down with me buddy what's the name of your new podcast well first off thanks for doing this josh <laughs> i really appreciate this yeah man. you're excited um, for uh your listeners uh kamar the roommate is also kamar babar if there was any confusion <laughs> but uh the name of the podcast is the joe rogan experience experience and um it's sort of like uh from my elevator pitch it's like what Talking Dead is to Walking Dead. It's a companion piece to the Joe Rogan podcast where we uh, discuss the guests he has in the week and uh, our thoughts on some things that they discuss. But he has so much, he puts up so much, it's kind of hard yeah. to fit it into like a, a normal show. So there you go, guys. The Joe Rogan Experience Experience. So check that out. And uh, I like guess and it gives subscribe, you- subscribe, guys. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I meant, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stop putting words there, but like and subscribe and uh, send Josh an email. Yeah, you guys know the email address by now. Contact at onemanpodcast.com. Let me know if you've subscribed. This is what my podcast is turning into. I'm plugging my own competition. Um, no, you're you're going to be putting it out on Mondays. It'll be out every Monday or, no, no, it'll probably be Tuesday mornings. Tuesday mornings? We'll be, we'll be posting on Monday. I mean, this is sort of inside baseball stuff. I don't know if these people want to know about it but well whatever if they're going to listen they may as well figure out when it's going to be so don't worry guys your wednesdays and sometimes fridays are still available for one man podcast content but if you're looking for a little something extra check out uh, check out kamar's new podcast i'm really uh, i'm really happy for you dude wow you seem excited about it and you're having a good time so far from the number one one man podcast <laughs> in the world <laughs> yeah so well, we all know that's I'm not true about that and uh seeing how much fun you've had over the last year and stuff and just doing it it was like Definitely, I, I'm sure I tried to form myself on this uh, podcast before, but uh, today we had a, a honest, legitimate reason, and I'm so proud and happy to, to yeah, man. Able, uh, promote something. Well, that's what I said. Like, I'd, I'd love to have you on. Let's plug it and, and get some listeners. Um, also, something happened yesterday, too, that we're going to just plug real quick. We're yeah. going gonna to plug it. It's sad, but yeah, it's, it's something we were it's, chatting about before I started the podcast and figured we may as well just bring it on the air. Uh, the, the great Stan Lee is now... In the pages, like his like his works, uh, he's uh, Stanley has passed away at the ripe old age of ninety five. It's it's crazy, uh, like when you say that because I know when I was a kid, 
Stan Lee was the coolest person in the universe. Oh, yeah? Well, he was the only adult. Like, his picture was in every Marvel comic book. Right. Like, and just any of the make-believe, any of the cool stuff that you could have as a kid was because of him, it, it seemed like. Like, any other adult would have been telling you to go to school or, or punishing you. or But there's this one guy, Stan Lee, that was just like... Hey, it's okay to have fun. Like, be a freak. The, 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 I saw, like, it was over-the-top stuff on Twitter and Instagram about, like... He was the first transgender because the New Mutants and stuff, and I'm, I'm I'm sure he was all for that stuff. But definitely letting your freak flag fly, and uh, it was so neat to because he got screwed in the beginning there, eh? Yeah. Uh, the, well, he lost. He had they were going bankrupt. Marvel they had mm-hmm. to sell a property, might have been Spider Man to Fox or whatever, and then it all turned around. That's when Iron Man. I think Iron Man was the first. Oh, you talking about the movies? Well. The movie saved Stan Lee. Okay. Because before the movies, it was just comic books like, or maybe cartoons, so they weren't making as much. It, it was sort of petering out, and kids don't buy comics anymore. Yeah. And then the movie franchise came around, and now... So like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, when, when, when Marvel sold that to Sony, that was like, that was a, a, a big thing. Because you know... Was that Marvel? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I know that Stan Lee doesn't own the characters. He created them, but he didn't own them. Marvel owned them. I think he had to sell. Or, oh, I guess you're separating Marvel and Stan Lee, and I'm thinking of them as, as one the same. But I know that uh, he, he died a rich, rich man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve Ditko was the one who did like all the art with him. So like, uh, and uh, was it Steve Ditko or Jack? No, sorry. Steve Ditko was one of the artists that did Spider-Man. Jack Kirby yeah. was the guy. Him and Him and Jack Kirby were the ones doing like all the Marvel stuff early on. And like they're the masters of our imagination, yeah. or they were. I don't know. If yeah, it's hard to like come right. up with like. I, I started reading comic books for a while a couple of years ago, and it was like in the, the in like one decade in the '60s, not one decade, one decade, yes, but like in one year of the '60s, like the Fantastic Four came out, Spider Man came out, the X Men came out, Iron Man came out, Hulk came out. Like they didn't like over the course of like 50 years come out with all these characters. Like all of the Avengers, shy of Captain America. At Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, all of those characters, even Daredevil, came out in the span of like 12 to 16 months. So it's like the it was- biggest names that we know in, in comic books on the Marvel side, all of that was in the span of like a year. And then they kept building on it and of course at created new X-Men. Like Wolverine didn't come around until like 1983 or something like that. But in terms of like the X-Men being mutants and having powers, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Hulk, like the Avengers was the same year. Like they, the first Avengers comic, which was they took all the original Ant Man, um, the Wasp, all that shit was like in the same year. But you're it was saying all, it was like a big boom. Yeah, superheroes. They call it like the golden era. Spy, uh, Superman was before all that. Superman was the very first superhero. So 1938. There was only one superhero, and then these guys said, "Why can't be?" And their religion. Yeah. Superheroes and fans and like what they can and cannot do in movies. If they if they do a power that they they could not do or. They don't have a power that they could do. They get yeah. raked. Like it's well. One of the things that I liked, I, I, I mean, not to make this podcast all about uh, comic books. I'm fine to talk about it for as long as we I want. I love but, talking about comic books. But I just mean one of the things that I liked about Marvel and I didn't like about DC is while DC has great characters, Batman's yeah, amazing. I, I love comics, but I really don't like that all of it seemed to me like all the big names in DC all have all the powers. Like Superman can fly. He has laser eyes. He's super strong. Like the only thing that can hurt him is kryptonite. The you know, Flash. then you have the Batman. Batman the has Flash was all fast. Right. But isn't the Flash strong too? 
No, he wasn't. Oh, no? So fair enough. The well, Flash I guess he could use the momentum to generate strength, but he wasn't. But I know that special. Green Lantern is super strong and can create anything super, and can just fly. Two, two and superpowers. Like, yeah, I just, I found that they all had a ton of superpowers. Same, like, even Batman, super strong, can afford to have any gadget, you know, has, you can think of it technologically. Well, of course, Batman has one because he can well, fly. So they to, all just seemed overpowered. You do have to suspend I'm fine with that, but what I liked about Marvel characters is like Spider-Man had some powers. You know what I mean? Wolverine has the power to regenerate, but he's not super strong. He can just regenerate. More believable, right? Except for uh... Mr. Fantastic can just stretch, but he wasn't super strong. You know what I mean? Invisible Woman can turn invisible. She's not super strong. She's a little bit of telekinesis. Like so, what I liked about Marvel characters, like. Is they, they didn't have not every one of them could do everything like about, the DC. What ones. about Iron Man? And I feel like Doctor Strange can do anything. Thor can do anything. The Silver Surfer. Well, Thor doesn't have laser eyes or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, eyes. so the idea is Thor can fly by swing, but he doesn't fly. He swings his hammer and makes the momentum and, and then it, pulls them off. And the it ground seems like Jean Grey could do anything. She got very powerful. They never specified exactly what her power was, but she could just. Fuck she had. Shit, she man. was like Doctor. What's his face? Professor X. So she had like tele like t- telekinetic ability. So she would like levitate and read minds. But she could push too. Yeah. So she, she would use it. She was like she, she was like using the force. He, the, the, uh, Xavier could only go in your head. Right. He couldn't knock a door down. She could knock it. She could blow a. Right. Because her blow. her telekinetic powers or telekinesis powers were so much stronger. She, a, according so, so to she's one. Of, so there's a couple. There are some. Don't get me wrong. There's I some of her power. But if you look at the core group, like Iron Man is just rich, and just because he's rich, like like the, the suit, suit can, can do everything. the suit can do a lot of things, but he doesn't have like the bat copter and everything he needs is always right in his suit. Like it was like power and lasers. I'd have to say those are the exact same thing. Batman and Iron Man. Two rich guys. Similar. Yeah, and I don't, I don't see the strength you have for Batman. He's not strong. Oh, wait, he's well, he's strong. always jacked and in he's, he's in jacked, perfect he's shape or whatever. Not, he's not. He can't lift as much as Iron Man could. No, but he goes toe to toe with like all these big crazy jacked people. I don't know. I found and the fact that every major character is an orphan. Their parents died, so like Superman, Batman. I'm an orphan. I've lost my parents. In one of my favorite movies with Batman, uh, where he fights Superman, Batman versus Superman. Does he have to wear a special suit? In that one? You know he does. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> We've no, argued about this no, movie no, before. No, that's, that's just it. So he, he is a he's a regular Joe. I, 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 the thing is, it's it's all love. Thank you so much, Stan Lee. You yeah. know what I mean? But this talking of... And Stan would be like, whatever you, whatever you think is right is right. <laughs> like he's just wanting kids to the, have imagination. One of the things that disappoints me is he's never going to see how the other half of Infinity War <laughs> turns out. <laughs> You probably seen the cut already. The, you know what? I bet you they made that movie at the same time. Well, they yeah they they filmed they filmed a lot of this stuff. But he's also just a figurehead with Marvel now. He says he's a figurehead. He's not he's not like involved in the decisions. But he's a grandfather stuff. that would give you an Archie comic. I think he did Archie comics too. Didn't I don't he? know. No, I don't think so. Maybe he did. But anyways, he was just he was the he's the closest thing to Santa Claus. Once you find out there's no Santa Claus, okay, that's Stan a good one, Lee right? was just in charge of imagination and superheroes and. And get lost. Well, I come from before the internet, so yeah, as do I. Not not much before the internet, but yeah. but still that time. Well, dude, I'm jazzed for the fucking new pad- podcast. I still haven't had a chance to. Uh, I've had chances. I didn't think of it until tonight, but I've subscribed. I've subscribed to your podcast, the Leave Joe a Rogan comment, Experience. Like and subscribe, and never listen to it again. I mean, dude, that's <laughs> and, and listen to one man podcast. So you have to listen to the Joe Rogan Experience. I would say it helps. Someone told me it's all right enough that we just talk about it. 
I mean, how we discuss the episodes that you don't have to watch it. But um, if you do watch or watch, listen to me, listen to the. What's well, a video one, right? Joe Rogan's his video. Too. He, oh, if you if you watch or listen to Joe Rogan, ours is a companion piece. It just wraps up all the guests of the past week, our thoughts on them, and maybe questions we thought Joe could have asked. Directions the podcast we thought would have gone like for instance dale hart jr was on there dale Earnhardt jr and we thought he was on talking about racing and crashings but he actually was he talked about how he had concussions and like he had like 20 concussions in 12 years or something and i mean it and was, that's when he started driving for nascar <laughs> no, from driving from nascar and he was, in, he, was in, he was in the same race that his dad died in yeah and finished that race and it's just like it was. It was. It wasn't um, right. It's like if Terry Fox's kid he wasn't, run the race. <laughs> but yeah, it is sort of like that. It just he. It was a glorified race at all. It was like, but did he win the race? His father was died in. I don't think he won that one, but he won that. That would have been like the, the America's Got Talent. It, you know, sad story realized. His dad died at the Daytona 500. Yeah, so he won there twice, and I I, I wanted to hear some crazy thing. About cars that you like, oh, you guys do that, or like, yeah, and you don't never, realize never this is it? happening when you're watching us and think we're doing nothing. This is what's happening. The only thing he said is some drivers have brakes on every tire and, and have four brake levers. Oh, really? So you just break, yeah, well, I guess that's kind of cool. And the cars are 150 degrees inside in summer, yeah. Holy shit. And they don't have vents because that'll mess up the aerodynamics. So you lose like 12 pounds. Maybe you should start driving. <laughs> you lose 12 pounds in a race. But he said that at the very end, and he said his dad was never nice to him. He said his dad and him never talked about racing their whole life. Like his dad never gave him tips or anything. Right. But he helped him get to where he was, obviously. But he said that we never, it was weird. But I wanted to hear about him banging drivers. Uh, no, what are, <laughs> banging drivers. <laughs> well, yeah, but or, or NASCAR babes, whatever they are. What, what what could they be called? Oh, I don't know. Neither do I. That's why uh, I just rubber asked bunnies. You. I don't know. Rubber <laughs> what do you call them? I don't know. Uh, track sluts, whatever. Track sluts, <laughs> whatever. I wanted to hear about the pit, pit sluts. Pit sluts. Pit sluts. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I wanted to hear him talk about that, but I didn't. But anyways, on our podcast. We talked about that and uh, what we wanted to hear and what we liked about it. May as well ask you while you're here. You did the the sober October, right? You didn't. You didn't. Drink. Uh, I Is did that... the sober October with the asterisks. Well, okay. I smoked weed. Oh, okay, but but I mean, if you don't mind me saying, like you would drink, you know, you'd have a beer or two after excessively. Work. Well, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to I was going to downplay it, but you you would drink before, so you went an entire month with no drinking, dude. Yeah. And that was incredible. And and if I could just you know congratulate you publicly for, well, I, for the job well done i think that is the worst thing ever sorry <laughs> that if not drinking for a month is incredible I mean, oh i thought you meant me congratulating you publicly like, throw a parade hey man but you know what i if i could just say in all honesty maybe maybe it's like to some people it's not an accomplishment but if you're drinking every day and that's the thing you do to not do it for a month. I mean, maybe the rest of the world would make you feel bad about being happy about doing that, but it's still something you didn't do for the longest time. And then you did it. So you deserve the right to be able to, to congratulate yourself on doing something that I'm sure probably wasn't easy at times. It means a lot coming from you. Cause you know 
how much I drink if I have four beers after like year round. But it was uh, the weirdest part is I went to a wedding mm. and didn't drink, and my sister got wasted. And I had to drive her home. Mm -hmm. So it was good I was sober to drive her home. And it was just like seeing her like that. Uh, though I will clarify, I have drank since then. Yeah, but but you still, you stuck to your guns. Like I, there I was times I, I where you sat with us and someone was like, hey, did you want to you wanna drink? Like everyone else was drinking and you stuck to your guns. Like, dude, th like, I mean, you listen to the podcast. Everyone's listening right now. I have had times where I'm like, I do good all day. Like, you know, I'll do good all day and, and not give in to temptations or whatever. And then I'll have one or two drinks and then and then I'll eat garbage. Yeah, you know what I mean? Well, no. So it's like there's but there's always something that sometimes makes it like makes it either busts down your willpower or whatever. And there's times where I've had like four or five days in a row where I do nothing but eat good and then just out of nowhere I'll either get a little down or whatever and then oh well, I don't feel like cooking, I'm just gonna go crush a pizza or something. So it, it for what it's worth, yeah, maybe it's nothing to some people. To some people it's not a big deal to fucking hike up a mountain or whatever. They do it every day. But for what it's worth, uh oh good, I'm plugged into the fucking <laughs> I'm getting text messages. I always forget to put this thing on airplane mode. There we go. Well, now, you were thinking no of uh, pausing it or something for a second, and then you didn't know what was going to happen? No, I heard the doodle ding from the fucking oh. text come in, because it's going through. I can well. hear it coming through. But I'm just saying, I, I think it's it's. I think you deserve to feel good about that accomplishment, whether it's easy for someone else or not. For yourself, it was something new, and you worked hard at it. So. Whatever good I felt got erased the second I drank. Yeah? Well, no. The first beer tasted amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, amazing. And then... Uh, then I got drunk, like after, like maybe uh, I had two more pints and then I was drunk and then I, I came home and was like not feeling better. Right. Not like, oh, this is enhanced. I just felt sort of dumb and groggy in the morning and then I think I got wasted last weekend and it felt horrible. <laughs> so I haven't drank yet and had a great experience. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. But um, that first sip, I would challenge you to go 30 days without eating a pizza. Just to say you did it. Okay. And then you can eat as much pizza as you ever want. Well, I, yeah. I remember when I first fell off like my good eating kit years ago. Uh, at first, it's like, it's you're like, oh, like you feel shit. I remember like I'd go like a week and I'd have like a cheat day or whatever where I'd like allow myself like a chicken sandwich from McDonald's and it tasted disgusting. Like it, it wasn't good. It was disgusting. And I, I told, I can remember exactly when I fell off my good eating thing was when I was delivering pizzas for Domino's because I was working 16 hour days and you'd get hungry and you didn't eat. And it's like, Oh, there's a pizza here. If anyone wants some, you know, and it's like that first, like just the hunger alone drives you fucking crazy. So you eat and then, you know, happens again the next day and they're like, here's free. And then it's easy. Once you start eating that, like, it's like, like uh, Bill Burr says, like that sugar salt. Once you, once you let that shit back into your system, then you just start to crave it again like so, an yeah, addict. Yeah, so that's the challenge, man. Because there, there, I was watching a thing about a rapper who's claimed that he's only eating pizza. Well, yeah, well, I'd never brag about that. He's 20 years old. He's not fat. He's he's from Atlanta. Like, he, I don't, he, I saw him on Hot Ones. Yeah. And he bailed out of, like, five sauces. He, like, lost them. Oh, Hot Ones. What is that? It's a show on YouTube where they eat chicken wings and get asked questions. But the chicken wings go from... I think Sriracha is the uh, like the mildest. mildest, mildest, and then it goes all the way up to and the last. Th there's one that every single person loses their shit, and I've tried it, and when you eat it, it doesn't taste like food or sp it just it feels like you just fucked up. Really? Like you just. Oh it God. feels like you like, just you, fucked up. You, That's a really good way. To <laughs> That's what it tastes like though. It's just like it's not even like. 
Oh yeah, I started to see the spice. Whoa, that's hot. It's like, oh no. Oh no. Don't <laughs> oh, no. touch your eyes. Like that woman who fell out of the grapes. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh yes. no, no. <laughs> you just start patting sour cream in your mouth, but on the show, every every guess it happens. Really? And and it, I like that a lot. It tastes like you fucked up. Can and, you talk about this on stage tonight? Just this fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> taste. Yeah, like I will try to do that. But you had the same sauce that they had. You've tried it personally. I, tr- I tried it at a gig with Mark Hatfield and Heather Hurst. They were giving it away for free. That's <laughs> like, well, no, we got to get rid of this shit. It's it was fucking... like pay five dollars to try the nacho and they try a hottest sauce. And I was like, give it to me. Like it, no one forced it upon me. But um, okay. I, try um, it. Try it. <laughs> after they eat this sauce, the even though the other two sauces are allegedly hotter, yeah, it doesn't like doesn't matter. You don't want it anymore. <laughs> he didn't. Maybe this was maybe made because I think it's the seventh. No, it'd be the eighth sauce. Eight, nine, ten. Yeah, the eighth sauce is like you just <laughs> you're watching someone walk towards the hole. They're gonna fall in for the trap you set them. But yeah, isn't it fucked up? Like I used to watch the Adam Richman whatever on uh, Man versus Food. And oh, just watching your, some of those things. That's that he your would pornography eat. for you. Some of it, but like here's the thing. Like I like it's either he's either eating the hottest wings in the world or the largest quantity of food. And no part of me ever saw that was like, oh yeah, I'd love to do that. I'm just like, why do you would you love to be paid to stop do it? though? Not even because like the thing is it's gonna affect your body. After a while, that really takes a toll on your body and it doesn't matter you're getting paid for it. You're basically shortening your life. But you, you can really help your stand up career. Like you to, just, out, to just eat. Well, no, no. Like you'd have animal. everyone knows that guy. Like he does stand up. You'd be like a sneaky Bob Saget. <laughs> I'd be, I'm mean, on stage every day, like not able. I'm like, oh shit! Here comes the heartburn again. Exactly throwing okay. up, and and he must. Have, he could have a show about his farts and dude. Shits. Like his, he must shit blood every day just because of the the size of those meat poops. Well, that's tearing the, that's his the crazy open. thing about uh, hot ones. The host eats the wings with you. So this asshole's doing it every single every, time. And he, he knows. Does he make it to 10? Because now oh, he's used he to it. He does it every time. He, he he empathizes when the people say, I can't eat this. Like, no problem. I understand. I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you. I have to. It's my job. But Russell Brand, I think, is the number one one. And there's a... Russell Brand was on it? Ru- Russell Brand. He's a British guy, right? Yeah, comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on it. Oh, no. There's four seasons. It's, okay, it's, so it's not like there's little Johnny, whomever from from it, Alabama it, or Connecticut. The, fir- the first time you see it, you're like, oh, this is some internet show. Like, how this stupid. But everyone's been everyone's been on it. And mostly rappers and black guys always bail out. Uh, it was Lil really? Yachty and DJ Khaled. Both could. Khaled was like, Khaled like wanted him to take him to the hospital. Really? DJ, you know, I'm the best. He's not the best at eating hot sauce. It's funny too, because like stereotypically speaking, black guys love hot sauce. Stereotypically yeah, speaking. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd pay that. But uh, those are black guys from the Caribbean or from Jamaica or wherever. Right. These guys are just These, are just, these guys are not. Um, Jack Stu- studio black, gangsters. No, it's not Jack Black. Tenacious D, the both of them yeah. do it. And like I said, on the on the on this eighth sauce. They fucked up. Everything changes. Because the coolest thing is everyone comes on and you can sort of feel a persona. And I, I'm sure this will run out because now they're onto it. Like everyone knows about it. But in the early episodes, people like are looking around like, what's going on here? And all you see all of a sudden you go, and the guy who interviews him asks amazing questions yeah. and asks a really 
super deep, insightful question as soon as you chomp into that eighth wing. Like deep, and, then, and they're like, they can't they're, answer they're it. They're dying, then. but they're like, oh, that's such a good question. And freaking <laughs> out. And then they fight through it and they, they tell the story. I mean, most people respect themselves just get to the end. They chugging water, like. Yeah, and apparently chugging water doesn't help because it just opens, like it nope. clears off the pores. It, now the pores have been people, opened. So there's just people fucking... who have had milk there. Uh, Post Malone had a Bud Light there. Like, they'll give you. A, Someone had ice cream. Maybe Lil Yachty. He, that's, he, that, he was on it, this rapper Lil Yachty, who said he's only ever eaten pizza, <laughs> and he couldn't eat all the hot sauces. But the first sriracha, he was like, oh, that's interesting. I can appreciate that. Like, I he, can appreciate He's trying to sound like a wine tasting. Russell Brand sang a song about every sauce. Oh, yeah? At the end. And on the very last wing, they take the sauce, because what they do is they cook the wings, yeah, and then toss them in the sauce, and bring them out. And, and lined up, up. Yeah. And they're all lined up and the one at a time in order of the the things and uh on the very last wing they open the sauce and put a little dab on it it's called the last dab for the last question is the last is the last wing already got the sauce on it or they the, wait it's till all, they've already been sauced and there's just they a just little, put a little more there's a little there's a little you've come this far but it, yeah it's it's unbelievable and the episodes are 20 minutes so it'd be a half hour show if it was on TV with like the commercials. Well, that's one of the cool things about YouTube and podcasts is that you can, no one can tell you you can't have a show. You just go out and make it. Yeah. It's oh man. And this is so much easier than doing YouTube videos. Podcasts. Oh yeah. You don't have to do the editing. <laughs> well, imagine like if you're trying to do skits no. or sketches. Like, too much work. Writing, filming, editing. All, too much work. Mark my words. I, I'm wearing my underwear and a wife beater right yeah, now. Yeah, but we, I'm so we comfortable. Could make and I don't you, have to. you could be a landlord. I or look some, like one. No, exactly. <laughs> right or some now. character in the sketch. And right. the first time I'm like, where'd they get that guy from? You know, if it's, it's, it's crazy enough, but you got to write that and do it and have the balls to post it. But just talking like this, like how long have we been talking for? 10 minutes? 25 minutes. Exactly. It just, it just explodes. And this was just to promote the Joe Rogan experience experience on <laughs> Spotify, Podbean. It's, it's on Spotify? Well, we just submitted to Spotify. How, so they have a submission spot now on Spotify. I guess Because so. a year, year and a half ago when this podcast <laughs> came out, there was no place. Spotify only had certain podcasts on and there was no submission. They contacted you and said, we're going to put oh, your- Oh, once you had uh, levels? I don't know. Or, or I mean, uh, listeners like, or, or whatever. You were, you were, got to some level. They basically, Spotify you. would look for the podcast that they wanted to have on it, and then they would just contact the the outlet. So, and then say, hey, we're going to put your RSS feed on our thing. I didn't realize that you could submit to Spotify. And that's way more interesting than um, YouTube. I mean, no, sorry, Apple's. Because Spotify is like... Uh, A lot of people use it. Well, streaming generates income. Right. You, you know what I mean? Whereas Apple, that... You, you, if you got a million well, streams, Apple, Apple Music is works the same as Spotify in no, the no. sense if that you it's got streaming a million music, streams, you would get nothing from Apple. If you've got a million streams of Spotify, you're gonna get some cash. Not necessarily, because it's not. It's not like if the, it depends on the agreement. If you submit and say, "Hey, play my shit," they don't care. But if Spotify goes, "Hey, we need your album on here because people want to hear it," it's oh, a different okay. story. Because like Apple Music pays the artist when you listen to the songs, but if you just if you but if you listen to a podcast, it doesn't. The only reason I know is because Joe Budden just signed with Spotify. Yeah. So that might mean that he doesn't offer his content on other platforms. Yeah, well, he took it down. Yeah. He took it down off Apple. And I was listening off Apple. Yeah. And I have not listened to you since, Joe, you motherfucker. 
Make me get Spotify. I tried. Well, I'm going to take a look. I didn't know. Like I said, things change in a year and a half, you know? Well, things change in six months nowadays. Exactly. So I, I should have looked into it. I just was like, no, I'm not the Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan was on when I looked. Yeah. You know, his was big. Uh, I don't I don't. But I, Burr's wasn't. So, you know, you can be still huge and still like with Spotify. They're like, no, we just want the biggest ones. Well, whatever platform you're on, make sure you like and subscribe to One Man Podcast and then uh, move on over to the Joe Rogan Experience Experience and give it a like and subscribe and give us them five stars. Oh, and write a review. And you should see our reviews. Our reviews are like, they look like a 911 chatterboard. <laughs> We're big in India. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sitting in with me, buddy. I'm going to thank you so much for having me, Josh. Yeah, dude. We'll, uh, we'll have this you was, again. This was so much fun. You'll have to start a new podcast every week so we can have you back on. Yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> Groovy. All right. Well, I'm going to tell these fuckers about my week. Go get to the club. I'm a uh, little piece of news for you guys. Kamara and I are both performing at absolute comedy this evening. Of course, it'll be far too late by the time you guys get on to, uh, to know that. So how do I how do I turn this trying to turn this mic off? Turn it down. Sorry guys, I've got the uh made use of the extra one here. All right, so uh I try was trying to turn off the microphone. So earlier I was able to attach it and then just turn it on, but this time it wasn't letting me remove the microphone. I was trying to turn it off and it wouldn't let me turn it off. So I just unplugged it and it stopped recording. So how about that shit, huh? Um, anyways, yeah, Kamar, I, I don't know. I, I'll check again later, but um, in case this is double stating, well, whatever. But uh, Kamar and I are both uh, performing an absolute comedy this evening, so uh, that will be uh, fun. So he's off to, to get there earlier. I'm going to show up there a little bit later on if I make it at all, because I got a lot of shit to talk about. But uh, yeah, had a chance last week uh, to meet Rick Mercer. Rick Mercer from the Rick Mercer Report. This hour is 22 minutes, and... Um, he recorded a little promo for the one man podcast for me. Very grateful for that as well as, uh, he has a new book out and the book is sitting across the room and I can't see what it's called, but uh, I guess I may as well get up. God damn it. I'm going to pause it. Not even a hard one to remember. It's Rick Mercer final report. Okay. There was a show he was doing here called the Rick Mercer report. And so, um, this book here, I actually got him to sign it because I, I showed up to, uh, to say hello and, and whatnot. And you know, you don't show up to a book signing and not buy the book. So Here's a fun little piece of trivia for you guys. I am going to give this book away to you guys. Now, I tried at first to get his agent person to tell him to, to, to make it out to onesie. That should be whatever lucky one of you guys will win this. Um, but instead, they just put my name on it. So it just says, you know, I was talking about the podcast and how I too can sometimes just go into these rants that, you know, are all over the map. So uh, this book says, just a little uh, inscribed writing here. It says, Josh, rant on. So... Um, I'm going to give this to one of you guys. I'm sorry that it's made out to me, but I will make it out to you. So from Rick to me, from me to you, uh, Rick Mercer's final report, the book, um, I guess I'll try to come up with, uh, you know, the dynamic of how I'm going to give that away to you guys, you know, how I get you to, to win it or whatever. But I have an autographed copy of Rick Mercer's book, final report that one of you lovely onesies will get. That's, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do for you guys. A little something for you. So anyways, um, met Rick Mercer was very, very nice. It was a very, very short, you know, meet because it was kind of just a meet and greet. And he gave me a few more minutes of his time than he probably should have there being a giant lineup to meet him. But, uh, we had a colleague in, uh, in common. So, um, the whole week did not hear back from Uber, but the scratches in my door, 
Um, and I've been pretty busy this week so far. So I haven't had a chance to give them shit and say, Hey, where's the, where's the results. So, uh, more news, uh, more news on that as it, uh, you know, unfolds, but currently not a thing from Uber in six business days. So fuck them. Currently that's how I feel about Uber, though. I still am Ubering. Um, I did, uh, I'm back to doing LCBO samples. I did, uh, a sampling on both Thursday and Saturday for the LCBO, uh, in Carlton place. So, you know, by the 35 minute drive away from home, um, you know, it's a way to make income and, uh, nothing special to report, but in terms of being back from LA and, and trying to get some, some work done and, and catch up on the old bill skis, uh, that's definitely something I did this week. So Uber sampling and, uh, on Friday night, I did a show with my buddies, uh, Rick Curry and Jim McNally, two amazing comics in Ottawa. And I have talked to them before about doing the podcast. Uh, they were both very, very willing to do it. And, uh, and I talked to them again on Friday night, just saying, Hey guys, I got to have you on the show because you're two awesome comics. You're two good friends of mine. You're very, very accomplished. Uh, for example, Rick, uh, Curry was a writer for, uh, for years on the Rick Mercer report. So, uh, when I, when I met Rick Mercer, I was able to say, Hey, you know, one of your, uh, one of your writers is one of my colleagues. Um, and we chatted a bit about that. So, um, very, very excited to, um, was very, very excited to work with Jim and Rick Curry. Um, it was at an event center, uh, called the orchard view wedding and event center. Um, they were doing a fundraiser for the local sort of business ward. And, um, it was, a, I gotta tell you guys, they got a really, really good show. It was myself. I hosted the event. Um, and then Rick Curry and Jim McNally, two amazing headliners, both doing full headline sets, 35, 40 minutes. Um, they got an absolutely amazing show. Everybody had a great time and it was the second time it snowed, um, since I've been home. So, uh, first time was on the back of something really great. Um, right. Coming home from Los Angeles. And the second time was on the back of something really great. Again, uh, probably one of the best shows I've been on in a long time, just in terms of the talent and how eager everyone is there. So though I did that show last year with Frank Spadone and I had an absolutely wonderful, wonderful time, um, on that show. They had me back again and asked me to sort of help them pick some of the talent locally. Um, so that's what we did. We put together a great show for them. Um, had issues with the microphone. Uh, it was a wireless mic. And I do have to say to this, anybody listening to stand up comedy or any kind of live performance, uh, wireless mics, doesn't matter what the quality is of them. They always have an issue. I, I can't think I can think of maybe honest to God in 10 years of doing stand up comedy. I, I think I can count on one hand, the amount of times we've done shows with wireless mics where nothing went wrong. Wireless mics always go out, you know, if an hour and a half long show, they always have some sort of issue at some point where they'll go out and you know what? They always go out on a punchline, you know, or they always go to the most important piece of information you need in order to laugh at the punchline. So you'd be telling a show and he's like, and that's when I walked up to the car and I said to her, you guys too, you know, and then in a room full of 200 people, it's like the momentum of a joke, the, what we do, the way we craft it, you know, you know that it, you have to get to a certain part at a certain time or, or it just doesn't work. And, uh, and poor Jim, Jim McNally, when he was on, uh, he was destroying. And then just right near the last 10 minutes of his set, the mic would start cutting out and it would cut out at, you know, the punchline or it would cut out an important part. And I went trying to find the DJ who, whose equipment it was. And, uh, you know, I was telling him, Hey man, like the, the, the mic's cutting out, like we need you. And he's like, well, well it shouldn't be cutting out. I go, do you have, do you have spare batteries or anything like that? He goes, no, the batteries should be, should be good. It shouldn't be cutting out. And of course he would come back into the room and then it wasn't doing it at the moment. So at one point I'm like, well, that's, it's, it's cutting out. Like, do we have a spare backup battery or, or a wired mic that we can plug in? And he's like, 
He's like, well, here, let me show you. And he like walks me through the room, through the crowd, right? While Jim's performing and walks me behind the stage and shows me like the battery life indicator on the, the microphone. And it's like, okay, well, great. I, it's great to know that there's still battery life being indicated. Whatever's happening, it's cutting out. Right. But of course it didn't do it. And he's in the room. So, you know, and everything seems fine right now. So he goes back out, you know, and, and then I walk all the way across the room and it was a big long room. I walk all across the room back to where Rick Curry's sitting, you know, I sit down and then it starts to do it again. So again, I'll walk the other, the guys, the other side of the room outside of the room. So walk back across the room quietly enough to not disrupt the show. Go find him. Dude, it's doing it again. Comes back into the room and it's not doing it again. It's like, fuck off. It's like a pokeroo situation. Uh, very Canadian television reference, but you know, every time you go to, to, to find it, it's like that fucking Warner brothers frog, huh? Is that a better one? Just sitting there being a frog. And then you take off and you're, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime girl. Um, so yeah, it, it just wouldn't. And then the third time, finally, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm not trying to fuck with you. Do you have the wired, like, give us a wired mic and we'll put it on there. And, um, anyways, long story short, he finally heard it. And the organizer came up to and she was with me and i'm like so at least it doesn't look like i'm some you know diva going you know something wrong with the mic no we can hear like but it would just it would just cut out oh my god it's the worst so if you're ever doing a show guys the thing too is like if you do like a public speaking event and the mic dies if you're just making a point you can repeat yourself okay if the mic cuts out you just repeat sorry what i was saying guys was blah 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 blah. you're conveying information with stand up there's a flow you know what I mean? There's a flow you're trying to, you know, build and, and create more anticipation and, and everything like that. So it's, you know, and deliver a punchline with great timing. Like you can't just repeat the punchline. It came at a particular time in a particular way. And if that momentum's gone because the mic cut out, you can't just recreate it. It's just like you say it and they might chuckle, but everyone saw your mouth move and nothing come out and they get a little hung up. And then when you just repeat it two seconds later, they're like, oh, it's just, it's gone. It's just the way it is. You know what I mean? So don't use a wireless mic. If you're ever doing something like that, wired mic, always wired mic, always wired mic, because it just doesn't cut out or have connectivity issues or anything like that. All right, moving on. I had a great time though. Uh, thank you so much to uh, Lena and Gino from the Orchard View who are part of the, the the team that put that together. We all had an amazing time. Um, I got great, great feedback emails from the event saying that everyone enjoyed themselves who were there and they can't wait to do it again next year. So happy clients. Everybody's happy. Great times. Um, Sunday, supposed to do a writer's group, but, uh, the writer's group got pushed around due to the fact that it was remembrance day. So here in Canada, that's our veterans day. And it landed on a Sunday, usually lands during a work week and everybody's off yada, yada, yada. But here in old government, Ottawa, um, it was on a Sunday. So that usually means too, like it meant in the case of this year that, uh, all the government employees got Monday off. So it's Sunday, everyone's saying, you know, Hey, it's remembrance day. Can we push this writer's group instead of doing it like 10 o'clock in the morning when I wanted to do it, everyone's like, well, can we do it at noon? And, um, unfortunately, you know, I, I, you guys know the story. I try to do uh, grocery shopping with my mom on Sundays and for whatever reason, I just said, Hey, let's, let's cancel it. I figure rather than pushing everything, I I'd intended to take her grocery shopping eventually, but a writer's group can take a few hours. I just said, forget it. Let's, you know, let's just do it another time. So one of the comics who was, uh, who was going to be part of the group, uh, my buddy Rory Gardner, he was like, well, do you want to do brunch instead if it's canceled? And I said, sure. You know, things are open around noon. Let's, let's go for lunch. And, um, I, uh, I ended up, uh, we went for like, uh, you know, breakfast or whatever at, uh, at a nice little restaurant I go to regularly. And, uh, and we just shot the shit, had a, you know, had a good conversation. Um, 
I've got, I'll, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about it later on, if I may. Um, and I'm going to try to do a better job describing what I was going through this week. I've, I've, I had a tough week. I had a tough week. Um, and it's been really difficult. So, um, trying to, trying to tell you sort of how things went. Um, I had a great conversation with, with Rory Gardner. Okay. And, um, and Rory and I talked about the subject that I'll bring up a little bit later on. Um, I also had a conversation, a long conversation with, with, with Crystal about it. I had a long conversation with it about somebody, uh, with somebody, a good life about it. Like it's something I've been talking to people about lately. Cause it's starting to consume me again. And, um, anyway, so Rory had given me some perspective as well on some stuff that helps him. He's a, he's a, a musician, also a comic, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a very accomplished musician, I might add. And, um, we just had a good conversation. We were talking about my, my gym regimen cause Rory's a good, you know, he's in, he's in good shape and he goes to the gym regularly. So he was making some suggestions that I'm having, uh, issues with the gym. Um, I think earlier this week too, I had managed to go to the gym with my buddy Peter and I can't remember for the life of me what fucking day that was. I think it was Saturday, but, um, yeah, the issues I have with the gym, which I've mentioned to you guys before is just like, there's, there's so many important things to working out like form and reps and sets and what you should be working and, you know, muscle groups and don't, you know, do one muscle group. If you know, you've already done it that you know, week or day, whatever there's, there's a ton of information and I don't have that information. And the kind of crazy person that I am is that if I don't know what I'm doing, I don't like to go and, you know, th- waste my time. Like, I don't want to just show up and not know what I'm doing. And so I'm just wasting my time or I'm going to make something worse. So chatting with Rory about it, he was like, well, let's, he gave me some examples, some things, some things called supersets, um, which he was saying that like when he's doing, when he was doing the regular workouts, you know, the ones where you'll like, you know, lift, lift, do, do 12 reps of something and then do another set of 12, you know, he was saying those breaks in between, he gets kind of like ADD and then forgets what he's doing. And I know myself too, when I was doing those, I would just whip out my phone on the break and then something would happen. I'd get in like something I'd have to address or an email or something. And I'd start working on that. And before I know it, it's been like fucking eight minutes in between breaks. I'm like, Oh shit, that's way too long. And then get back to it. And again, as soon as I finish the next set, right back to the phone, working on something else. So I know that I wasn't doing it appropriately. And he was mentioning that, you know, when he does, when he does it because of his ADD, he's like, he likes to do supersets because it's basically, um, one of the things I saw this week, which I'd never heard before. And then all of a sudden I've, I've seen it like in a bunch of different things. And then Rory brought it up was you're supposed to work out to like failure. Right. So I was watching some YouTube videos at the first tasting, I think on Thursday or Saturday. And it was about how you're supposed to work your muscles to the point of failure. So like, if you normally do like a set of 12, you know, you're, you're, you know, people go to the gym and they do the same weights and the same workouts and the same sets. It's like, if you do it to 12, it's like, you'll feel your muscles working. But if you, if you can complete 12, you know, then you're doing it wrong. So the whole idea is that that you should be barely finishing your set. It should be, the weight should be so heavy that like 11 is a really big struggle and 12, you almost can't finish. If, if not, not being able, you know, like you shouldn't be able to finish your last one. That's where, where you should be working out. And the whole idea is that that's what makes your muscles go stronger is is the inability to finish what you're trying to do teaches your body. Hey, you need to do more. Well, it's funny after all these videos I'm watching and talking to personal trainers and everyone, like I never, never got anyone who was saying like, no, you need to fail on the last one. Like that's how your body gets stronger is that you do until you just can't do any more. If you're, if you're, if you're successfully doing, you're just going to maintain, you're not going to build. So. Rory was explaining me the same thing where he's like, you basically a superset is where you find what you can do sort of 10 comfortable of, 
and then you press, you know, one or two more, and then immediately you lower the weight to the next pin on the machine or whatever, and then do as many of those as you can until you just can't do them anymore. And as soon as it might be three or four, and then immediately you, you put it to the next lowest one and you just keep doing them until you can't anymore. And then the next lowest weight. And he's like, until this is his words, he goes until the point where you're basically lifting like the five pound weight at the bottom and you can't even do it. And you know, he's like, and then it's, it's that at that one that the, the hottest chick in the gym will walk past you and you're struggling to lift the five pound weight, which I thought was a funny visual, but the concept behind it is like, and he goes, and that's it. And then you don't have to like do another set of that or anything. You just basically push your body to, to try to do the work. It can't do, um, <clears throat> each, each weight level until it can't do it. Now you've worked out to the point of failure and that's, what's going to push you further. You know, that's where you'll see growth. And he goes, he says that a, it takes a lot less time because you're not doing so many breaks in between and, and you're not doing so many sets. Um, but you're still getting the same results. He goes, and he, he forces himself to do that. Like it's, that's his, he does it five days. So there's five muscle groups. He'll do one group a day. He's in and out in 30 minutes because he just focuses on that. Does the superset and fucks off. So, um, him and I did that today. He, he, uh, suggests, you know, he was, he was a good, he was really good about it. He was really pushing me. He's like, he's like, make sure you do it. So, um, we, we met and we, we worked out today and it worked out really well. He had actually got kicked in the head because he's just kickboxing too on Tuesdays. So he got kicked in the head and he's like, I think I might have a concussion. <laughs> he's like, but I'm here at the gym. Like I I'm, I'm committed to doing this with you. So, uh, it was great. I really appreciate that, Rory. Thank you so much uh, if you're listening. And, uh, you know, we've got another appointment to do it again on Thursday. So we're we're getting together on Thursday to do some old working out there. But uh, anywho, I went after having the brunch with him on Sunday, I went to to Good Life because uh, I was like, I'm going to get my, my workout in. And what ended up happening was uh, the, the people there hadn't seen me in a while, at least some of them. I went, like I said, earlier in the week with my buddy Peter, but that was the first time I'd gone back and God knows how long. And, uh, and then I went on Sunday and there was a lot of people that I, that I knew there that day and I was chatting with them and, you know, and before I knew it, I was like, I'd been chatting with staff members for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. I haven't even, I haven't even gone to do my workout yet, but like with the amount that people are talking with me and sort of moving around the place with me, I'm just like, I'm not going to get anything done if I'm, if I'm here. So I got to go home and I'll, I'll do the elliptical at home and I'll do the weights at home on the bench. And, uh, and I did, I came home, I, I got on the elliptical and I did 30 minutes on the elliptical. I was dying at 20 dying, but I forced myself. I'm telling you right now, I wanted to quit so bad. I wanted to quit at, at 15. I wanted to kill it at 20. I so wanted to quit at 25 and I just, I just slowed down instead of stopping and I persevered. And I was real proud of myself. Then fix the bench, adjust the bench, uh, grab the two dumbbells off the floor, which nobody in this house has used in God knows how long. And, uh, I lean back. I'm on my back. I lift the two fucking weights over my head and something falls out of one of the weights and hits me right in the fucking face. And I, it looked like a clump of dust or something like a clump of brown crap dust, whatever from the basement hits me in the face. I was like, ugh. and I look down and all I see is the clump of dust scurrying across my chest and running over my belly horizon. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I dropped the two weights that are like, they're not over my head anymore. Thank God. But I was like, what the fuck? I dropped the weights, smash into the floor, get up. I'm like, what the fuck? And I didn't see where it went. I look around the floor. It's nowhere. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm brushing my pants. I'm basically stripping my fucking gym shorts and my t-shirt off. Thinking, where the fuck is this thing? It's not on the floor. It's not on my face. Like, you know, like, is it in my pockets? I'm like getting naked. Like, where is this fucking thing? It looked like a big ass spider, but I mean. I don't know why guys know what the fuck this thing was, 
But I'll tell you, my workout for the evening was over. Luckily, I did the fucking elliptical first. Otherwise, I was like, yeah, I don't want any of this shit. But anywho, that was my fucking, my Sunday. Did some, some, a uh, little bit of food prep and stuff too. Um, on, uh, on Monday, you know, I got to tell you, this is not very exciting, but I spent the entire day, um, on Monday at the, uh, at the Bayshore shopping center. I uh, took my mom grocery shopping for Monday. That was the, the plan. Um, unfortunately, like I said, uh, she works for the government and all the government people were off. So I was like, oh, why don't we go to the Apple store and we'll get you a new battery. Apple's, uh, for all of you listening, hey, maybe a little tip for you guys. For everyone listening, uh, Apple devices, so the 6S, 6S Plus, all, all of those ones and under, so SEs and, and 5Cs and all that shit, um, the battery replacement is normally $100 on that. So if you have one of those models and it's out of warranty... Um, if you need a new battery, a battery affects more things than just the battery itself. It can affect how things run and stuff. Um, normally it's a hundred bucks to replace the battery right now, at least at the very least from my understanding, from what they told me, at least until the end of the month, you can go to an Apple store and you can get a brand new battery for any of those models and below that I described for $35. So huge savings. So if you got a phone and starting to act up and you're like, oh, I think I've upgraded my phone, go and get a new battery, put in it 35 bucks. You should be good. Now I picked the worst time to go because it was the day all the government people were off. So I used it as an opportunity to take my mom because, Hey, you're off. Let's do it. Didn't stop to think, Oh, that means everybody else like you is also off. And this is gonna be a nightmare. So five hours at the fucking Bayshore shopping center, three hours to get the appointment. And then another two hours for them to put the shit in, you know, like we signed up for an appointment and then three, they're like, we're going to call you back in about an hour, hour and a half. We waited that time. Two hours later, we go to the store and go, hey, are you going to call us? And they're like, oh, it's you're about 30 minutes. And then we stayed there 45 minutes later. They saw us and then took the shit. And they're like, okay, so it should only take about an hour, hour and a half for the battery. And of course, two hours later, it was done. So not trying to be a bitch, but uh, if you need to do anything at the Apple, Apple store, clear your fucking schedule for that day, or at least bring a book or do something that's going to you know help you in the process. Um, what else have I got to say? I had a good day with my mom. We, we fucking window shopped all goddamn day, which was fun. Um, yeah. And they didn't have it. They, another thing that frustrated me is that my, I'm having issues with my AirPods, just a little bit of connectivity issues, but they're under warranty. So I'm like, I may as well replace them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, when I talked to them there, they're like, we, uh, we have to order them in for you. So by the time I finally got home, I, and they said that it would take like a week or something. I get home and I get an email saying your, your pods are in. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I didn't go back. I went today after Ubering, but it's one of those frustrating things. Like I was here for five hours. You know, you tell me you have to order them in and basically as soon as I get home, then you're like, oh, they're ready. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this last week hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, notables. I'm proud of myself for going back to the gym. As, as you guys heard me celebrating with Kamar, uh, his success, mine getting to the gym is, is a small success that I'm, I'm going to enjoy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I do have to say, um, I've been spending a lot of, uh, time, you know, uh, well, I've been spending a reasonable amount of time reconnecting with Chris. I say a lot. Like it sounds like we're getting together either day. We haven't seen each other, um, since the movie, but, uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed spending some opportunities talking with her. Both of us are, are sort of sharing some of the stuff that we've learned and we've worked on. Um, I'm being mildly vague only in the sense that I'm just being respectful. I, I haven't asked permission to see if it's cool. If we talk about the stuff that we shared, some people are very open about the things in their life and, uh, and some people are not, I just, I'm not saying she's not, or she is. I'm just saying I haven't asked. So I'm being vague and I apologize. I'm kind of 
you know, Tuesday night, I need to get this podcast out. So, um, it's been really cool, um, reconnecting in a, in a real positive way. So, um, I have to say that this week, um, it's, um, it's been really nice. It's been really nice. But since, since I, I mean, I've been struggling, you know, I don't want it to be on the back of me mentioning, uh, Crystal cause it's not got anything to do with her. Um, but I've been really, really down lately. Um, I'm just trying to get this. I, I don't, at this point in the podcast, guys, things are going to go a little dark and I feel sorry for my sponsors. Um, or maybe, you know what? No, I, I, I picked both of the things from DK and, and portable press based entirely on this conversation. So they'll make more sense if I, uh, if I do this first, but, um, for what it's worth positive is uh, the, the podcast is not about to go in a particularly positive direction right now. So if you're not prepared to hear me go to a, a sad, dark place, then maybe just skip ahead. If you care about the articles and the sponsors, um, cause I don't really know how to share with you guys where I've been at, you know, and again, I appreciate you being there. I appreciate you listening. And by now you guys know that there's sometimes where I just talk about some shit that, that hurts. Um, and, um, you know, I don't feel negative right now for what it's worth. Um, cause I've had some insights and I'll share that with you, but I got to, a, cu- a couple times this week, I got to a very, very low place. Um, and I, let me preface by saying, I'm going to say something. I'm going to tell you guys a story. And I scared a couple people in my life just because I didn't really preface exactly why I was thinking of doing what I, what I was going to do. And I didn't do it. Um, so just try to don't, don't don't get scared or nervous when I talk about this. I'm really fucking building this up, aren't I? Um, so for a while before LA, a lot, well, no, for a long fucking time. All right. And then for, and then LA was a, a good positive push, which was what I was looking for. But then since LA, um, you know, you come back to normalcy and, you know, um, it's difficult, but like I said, I, I will end this by saying, I will end the story by saying I've gotten to a much more positive place. Okay. And it's not as bleak, you know, you have moments of it, but, but I'm, I'm just, so like I said, listen or don't, uh, I love you for listening so far and we're going to talk about some shit in this one. So I have been really down lately about the trajectory of my life now. I'll try to do broad strokes because I don't want to dwell on it. And I also have to get to a show this evening. Um, I, I've been super, super down lately about like the, the trajectory of my life. I don't know. I don't know what, um, it's going to look like in, in two years, what it's going to look like in five years, what it's going to look like in 10 years. I don't have. Uh, I don't have any answers. I don't have any security. And I, and the biggest thing that I've mentioned to people is that I don't feel like I have any direction. You know, I know that I enjoy doing stand up and I want to do stand up, but I find that the more mindful I get, the more empathetic I get, the more positive I get, the less funny I am because I don't live in the cynical space. And I've talked to you guys about that before, about working on giving myself permission to, you know, get angry and, and critical long enough to enjoy, you know, to, to find some funny in a situation and maybe mine a joke out of it. And I feel like the happier I get, or at least the more positive or structured or the more tools that I develop, the less funny I am. 
And I, to me, it even shows in the podcast. Okay. There's lots of times where I start talking about a subject and I'm, you know, trying not to be a dick about it or whatever. And I just find that's not funny. It's not, I don't, I don't think I'm saying anything funny. Like you guys know, I'll sometimes I'll go on a little tirade and I'll fucking laugh at myself and I'll be silly and ridiculous. And even as I'm saying certain things, I go, that's not particularly mindful or pleasant or empathetic. You're being kind of a dick. But in those moments, I also think I'm being funny. You know what I mean? I find, I find that, you know, I, I may have said this in the podcast before, but it's the example I've been using with people in conversations is think of the, 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 the happiest person, you know, you know, the happiest person that, you know, and now how funny are they? You know what I mean? They don't make, they're not somebody who makes you laugh all the time. And then I go, now think of the most miserable person that, you know, and generally speaking, the miserable person's funnier, right? You think of angry Jonah Hill in movies and stuff, critical, you know, usually losing his shit because he's pissed off. And a lot of it's funny. And that's the thing, like the humor, the, the anger and the negative tends to be the best breeding ground. It's the most fertile soil. It's the shit that the flower grows out of. You know what I'm saying? So I, I've been really concerned because I, I go... Now, if I was just funny and I wasn't successful yet and I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, I think that I would have an easier time with it because I'm like, you know what? I'm funny and I know how to develop material and I know how to, to work jokes and stuff like that, but um, I just haven't made it yet. So it's just kind of like, stay the course. You're funny. You're generating shit. My big thing is I find myself having a harder and harder time to generate material because I'm not angry at shit, right? I've, I've got so many tools. I know how to let shit slide now, right? But at the same time, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I feel like I think Ned Flanders trying to be a comic, you know what I mean? Being nice and positive. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's not very funny to be nice and positive. Every time you have a negative thought, you're able to just diffuse it right away. It's like, I got a, like a comedy fire extinguisher sitting next to me at all times. And I'm like, something starts burning out, put it out. And I'm like, oh, thank God that was almost enjoyable. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, and it's that anger and fear that I'm losing my funny that allows me to make these little quips now. It's just, it's just how ridiculous I feel being able to fucking diffuse my own humor. I guess to try to summarize, you know, try to, try to wrap up the, the position that I'm in is, is I'm, I'm scared. I'm really scared because I'm 35 spoiler. If I've never told you guys my age, I'm 35. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You know, I think I'm trying to be a comic, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more positive. Sorry, that's a long pause there. I'm feeling more positive, but I don't know what to do with myself because I don't, I still don't feel like I can do the day job thing. I feel like I'm too scatterbrained. I feel like I'm too, um, Crystal said to me very kindly this week when we were chatting about it, because she's, she's listened a lot to it and she knows firsthand when we were together before she knows, you know, that I was dealing with a lot of fear and insecurity about like what direction my life's going. You know, and I have, I have, honestly, I have the best friends a guy could ask for again. And, and Rory Gardner and I are comics. We've worked together before. I like Rory, but he had no reason to, you know, want to just go and have brunch with me this week. Not to say that, you know, surprising when people want to spend time, but the idea that, that he wanted to spend time, that he listened to me talking about this same shit. And, and then he was invested in, in going to the gym with me and, and helping hold me accountable for going to the gym and stuff. Like I'm, I'm really lucky to have people in my life that just for some reason or other want to reach out and want to be a part. Again, my buddy, Mike LeBlanc, who, who reached out when, when Crystal and I first broke up because he saw a lot of the same things, you know, he could relate to, to coming out of a relationship, 
you know, and we started spending time and he came to the, like, you know, he started being a part of the last writer's group. Now Mike is, is one of my best friends in the, in the business. You know what I mean? It's, um, I'm really lucky. And again, how funny is that me sitting here just being very grateful for the universe? You know what I mean? I'm not, and here's the thing too. You know what? There's probably a good chance I I'm, I'm not right about, you know, in order to be funny, you have to be miserable. It's just, that's what it feels like. I know that when I'm miserable, that's when I'm my funniest. When I let my brain sort of run and play with the angry, scary thoughts, you know, it's a way it's a, it's a coping mechanism. I don't know. See, even now I'm trying to like, not feel negative about stuff. I was like, no, it's probably a positive. Get out of my head. You fucking happy. I I'm okay with sacrificing my happiness for, to be funny. Anyways, I'm I'm not, I, I don't know if I am. <sighs> this fucking maelstrom of, of goddamn negative, positive. It's hard too, because part of being, you know, a negative person is, is like comparisons. And again, I have the best friends and I'm not just talking about my comedy friends. The first people who came to mind were my closest friends, Jimmy, Mika. Um, you know, I don't talk with them all the time, but these are guys who've got 20 years now under their belt of, of being good friends. I've, I've spent more of my life knowing them than not knowing them, you know, having them there than not having them there. And I, I do love these guys, Michael, but here's the thing is the people that I care the most about in the world, you know, when I look at everybody, everybody's, you know, and I used to mock it. I used to mock it. And now I'm so envious of it is everybody's got the, the, the spouse, the house, Ooh, it rhymes the spouse, the house and the little mouse, uh, that's supposed to be kid, you know, marriage house kids. They're, they're doing it. They're doing it right. And I live in this weird ass fucking comedy orphanage for, for God knows what, you know, it's I've, I've been kind of like, where am I going to be in five years? You know, I have, I have a, um, I'm not trying to run my dad down. Um, but my, my dad's the kind of guy who years and years and years late into his life is still like, he's living with my mom there. My parents have been divorced since I can, you know, since I was making memories and my parents have lived together in a, in, in no relationship whatsoever. They're not interested in each other. Never, never that not in the slightest, but lived together for some reason. And, you know, like my dad's in a position where he, he couldn't just be like, I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing. I, I, I don't mean this as an attack at all. I'm just like, my dad just recently got a job and I can't really talk about it. It's kind of private whenever he wants to come on the podcast sometime and talk about it, but we have way bigger issues before I'm willing to just sort of plug his new thing. But my dad's in a position now where he will have a job and he will probably be able to, to live on his own. My dad has lived on his loan over, you know, periods of his life, but so have I. And I guess I'm, I guess I'm transposing myself into my dad's position where my dad's in his sixties and he's just now starting to, you know, have a job again and maybe be able to do it on his own. But when you have decades, you know, a decade period of your life where you need to bat, move back in for fuck's sake, moving back in with your ex-wife, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like I'm trying not to be judgmental guys. I'm really not, but I'm looking at going like, fuck, I'm 35 in five years. I'm 40. Shouldn't I have something to show for it at 40? You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing? And am I just going to give up in five years? Like five years in order to get to that Los Angeles moment. Like I said, I, I really enjoyed that. And I, and I loved seeing my friends who are my age and younger who are doing well. And that's the thing is you, you can't compare, but I'm just like, what am I going to, am I going to be there in five years? I don't think that's enough time. And I, and I'm okay with being patient, but there's no guarantees. 
If it was like, hey, it takes 20 years and this is what you got to do, cool. I can wait. I can do the work. But in this business that I'm in, there's no, here's what you do and then this pays off. You just got to, you got to be able to take rejection and take rejection and take rejection. And it's fucking hard. It's, it's really hard. And the thing is when you, I, I, um, I don't mean to talk in circles. I'm kind of letting it out because this is, this podcast is in a way my journal of what's going on with me. And I haven't even got to the part yet where, you know, the, the part that's scary to people, but, um, I'm constantly having that thought in my head of the whole, like, well, am I going to make it? You know, am I wasting my time? Am I going to turn around at 60 and finally accept the fact that it's just never going to happen? And, you know, and become that Walmart greeter or that guy who's working at Tim Hortons, you know? And, and I just know that would kill me. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with working hard. You know, I even look at it and go, you know what? I, maybe I could have been the guy who has the job. And instead of expecting every day to be a fucking miracle, which feels selfish, right? When I'm doing stand up, I'm like, oh yeah, every, every experience is different. And I'm living different stuff every day and I'm doing different things. And it's like a lot of people, I have people who tell me like, Hey man, I really admire what you're doing. You're chasing your dreams. And it's, you know, and you make people laugh and it's, and I, and I feel like such a piece of garbage for not appreciating what I have the way other people do, but everyone's grass is greener, right? Like I'm, I used to mock people who just, you know, got a job, got a house and had kids and got married and like, and then, and then after having the experience with Crystal being with her for so long, I'm like, fuck, I missed that. And, and I didn't realize how great, no, that's a great fucking thing. That's not a pathetic, just conformist thing, which is how I felt that I was being judgmental. It was a, it was like a, Oh, that's no, that's great to have people that you can be with, to have that connection every day, your, your family, your team. I'm, uh, like I said, Hey, the happier I get, the more, the less funny I am. And the more I'm just like, Oh, I just was a judgmental fuck poo pooing on shit that I probably subconsciously thought that I could never achieve or never obtain. So it's easier to decide that sour grapes thing, right? It's easier to, to tell yourself you never, you didn't really want it than to just be like, no, I did want it. And, and I should have kept working for it or whatever it is, you know, but I got to such a low point where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life. You know, if I'm having these thoughts, should I cash in my chips and just decide to start working towards something else? You know, or do I keep chasing this and just slowly start to feel like a bigger and bigger loser, you know, end up, you know, somebody's roommate for the rest of my life because I just can't take care of myself. That's how I feel. That's how it feels. So, you know, and I'm sure lots of comics have gone through this The moment where you're just like, you know, it, some people will use the expression, you know, Hey, shit or get off the pot. And it's like, well, I, I think I'm trying, you know? And in the meantime, I've got like my, I've been, I've been so low in terms of everything I feel like I want to do. It's like I, my brain will give me reasons why I can't, you know, why, why it, it would suck to succeed at those goals. Like I want to lose weight, but now I'm fucking terrified at the idea that I'm going to have like all this extra skin. And then what do I do? I'm going to walk around with flappy. Like it's, it's nuts how much I'm trying to just sabotage all the things. And I think that you know, it goes back to, I read a book called the war of art and it talks about resistance. It says that like the more, the more you're meant to do something, the more resistance is going to con convince you that you shouldn't do it. So, 
I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be honest and not give up. But at the same time, it's fucking hard. Like I, I, the, the, the big thing that I, that I considered doing the other day and, and please don't jump to any conclusions. Let me, let me put your fears at rest. When I, when I say it is I was, I was really done. I was headed to my, my tasting. I believe it was Saturday and I had considered calling one of those suicide hotlines. Now I, I'm not suicidal, nor was I in that moment. Very important, you know, but my thoughts were, I don't, I can't get myself out of this funk. I feel awful. I feel like I, I was, I was saying this in a joking way, not to diminish how serious suicide is, but I was saying that like, I've never been the kind of person who would want to commit suicide. I'm, I'm afraid of death. I, I don't, I would not bring it on myself. But I was like, and I used to think like, how could anyone ever want to commit suicide? But I'm like, you know, with the concept of just being like, I could see, like, I, I got to the point where I'm like, I, you know what? I can see someone being like, I don't enjoy waking up. I don't enjoy looking at the day and being terrified by it. You know, I could, I could totally understand how someone would just want to end it. You know, again, that's not me, but I'm like, I could, I could see it. So I was joking saying I'm not suicidal, but I'm window shopping suicide right now, but it's not the case. What I'm saying is I was just, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't know what to do with my life. I feel like I'm, I'm wasting it right now. And it's just a shitty feeling, you know, and it, it will pass. But the reason I had considered calling a suicide hotline was in my head, I was thinking like, I am so overwhelmed right now. And I, I, even with all the tools and things I've read, I just don't feel right now. Like I can pull myself out of this funk and I can't afford a therapist. I can't afford a psychologist, but I was like, who can help? Like, there's gotta be people who feel lost. And that's when my brain went with like, oh, suicide, people who are suicidal. I'm like these suicide hotlines. I go, these people must have some form of training to deal with, you know, people who are feeling lost and feeling like they just want to, you know, they don't know what to do with themselves and they may as well just end it because they don't know, you know? So that's, that's where, I, and I was telling people like, oh my God, like I considered, you know, calling a suicide hotline. And of course you say that and I get it. It's a giant fucking red buzzer goes off like, oh my God. And I just, I was trying to explain, no, I'm just, I'm insanely down and I need help. I don't know what to do with myself. <clears throat> So I, uh, a few people in my life that I expressed that to, and I want to apologize for not really up, you know, and that's why I, I prefaced it like 15 times on this podcast is I'm not suicidal. Um, and I'm not even really window shopping suicide. I'm saying I, I'm, I, I feel at a, a, I felt at a very big loss and I'm still not completely out of the woods, but the more I focus on my shit, cause that's been the big focus of my life the last few years is really trying to get myself out of my funk and, 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 you know, become a better person every day, be a better man, you know, try to, to develop some direction, try to face my fears. Really. That's a big one. Um, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. I, I described it before as like being in a swamp, you know, like sometimes people are standing on one side, you know, they've got issues and stuff like that, but you're standing on one side and you're looking away over in the distance and you see the, the sunny horizon. But in order to get there, you got to walk down through this swamp. You know, you know, a lot of people think they're just going to have a good relationship when they have like fucking issues and, and baggage and things like that. And, um, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. I'm just saying myself, like, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be great at relationships. I probably told you guys this before, but it's like Leo Biscalia was a great 
uh, he's a poet and he's a, an, uh, you know, I think a, a teacher as well. And he just says, it's funny because like the one thing that all human beings feel like they, they deserve and that they want is love. We all want love. We all want a, a loving relationship. And it's the one thing that nobody teaches us how to do, you know, like, like love relationships aren't taught in school. There's psychology and dynamics that go into it. There's, there's very teachable things, right? And people always have advice. Oh, you got to listen. You got to communicate. You got to compromise. And it's like, you can throw blanket statements at that, but without knowing them, like if, if, if you're in math at school and in math, like, again, here, I'm starting to get angry at how ridiculous it is. And now I'm being silly coming up with metaphors, writing a fucking premise. You know, if, if, if you were in school and someone's like, Oh, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to figure this out. They're like, Oh, use bed mass. It's like, all right, it's one thing to say to do something. It's another thing to show someone how to do it and, and teach its value and show you why it works and develop that tool for you. You know, use, ah, fuck, what was the, what the one I was going to think? Use Pythagorean theorem. You know, it's one thing to tell people, this is what you got to do. It's another thing to, to, to actually teach someone. But like Leo Biscali said, we all want love. We all want relationships. And it's like the one thing that nobody teaches us how to do. You might have a conversation you know, but, but it's not, it's not something learned. And it's like, if it's the thing we want the most, shouldn't we be studying it? You know, you want to be a fucking hairstylist. You got to go to school for a year or two or three. Fuck. I have no idea. There's so many things that you have to go and, and be taught and learn and whatever before you can do it. Yet nobody teaches us how to love. So, you know, we all get insecure. We all get these issues that we have. You're standing on one hill. You're looking off the distance. You see the sunshine. You're like, man, I want to get there. But you know, you got to walk through the swamp of your own shit, you know, and a lot of people don't want to do that. They just want to stay on the one side and they want to look off in the distance and just convince themselves that one day they're going to get there. But it's like, in the meanwhile time, you're just, you're hanging out on this hill. So I'd like to think that the last couple of years I've been wading through the swamp of my own shit and, and facing fears and learning about the fears. And I'll tell you like the, um, you know, the metaphor might get a little convoluted, but I'm, you know, I'm sort of making it up as I go along, you know? It's funny too, because I feel like a lot of times too, it's like your parents or, or the people closest to you that drag you into that swamp. You know, you get dragged into that swamp when you're a kid, you know, and, uh, and sometimes the people important to you, you just, they just sit down on a log and they decide that that swamp is where they're going to stay, you know, and some people can spend years of their life trying to convince that person to get up and they're in the swamp too, you know, get up, come on, let's go, let's get out of this, you know? trying to people just fight. And meanwhile, they're just stuck in that swamp. And at one point you got to be like, I can't, I can't carry you out of here. You either have to come out on your own or, or I, or I have to, to keep walking out, you know? So and that, and that can happen with a lot of people too. Sometimes two people go into the swamp and, and one person tries to convince the other one another and they just stay there with them. It might be a metaphor for codependency. Maybe who knows, but the idea is you can only, you can only walk yourself out. And, uh, and I feel like I've been trying to walk out and there's good days guys, you know, this, this swamp, there's fucking, like, I describe it as having like a big overbrush canopy. There's not a lot of light that gets through most days. And those are the real depressing ones. Sometimes some, there's sometimes there are periods in life where you just sit down on a log yourself, you know, and every day you want to get out of the swamp, but you're not really doing anything to get it. You're just sitting on that log, you know, other days you'd be walking and, you know, little bits of happiness, like you know, the, the, the canopy opens up and it lets sunshine through for a little bit, you know, and that's the little reminders that like, okay, that sunshine exists outside of here. 
So I should keep walking, pushing harder, you know, even though your feet are stuck in the muck and it feels hard as fucking hell sometimes to, to move forward and to keep going. It, it sucks to be stuck in that swamp, but that sunshine just is a good reminder. Hey, and you know what? There's some days where the whole fucking canopy opens up and it's just sun, you know, you're still in the swamp, but you can see that there's so much more out there and it just encourages you to keep going. So, um, as of late with the LA trip and reconnecting with, with crystal in a, in a nice, positive, very open, you know, way it's, uh, a lot of sunshine. There's, there was a lot of sunshine lately, but just, you know, the more you see the sunshine, sometimes the more you're like, all right, well, I gotta, I gotta pick up the pace here, but sometimes picking up the pace just leads you to another dark spot, you know, faster. You're still closer to the exit, but you hit other dark spots. Thanks. Oh, did you, you found something on the web about the dark spot, huh? Well, let's see what that says. Dark spots causes diagnosis and treatment. Very health. Dark spots on the skin commonly appear in middle age as a result of past sun. And that's all the little snippet has on it. Um, so there you go. <laughs> the sun can also cause dark spots. Um, all I'm getting at guys is it's fucking, it's, it's tough. I'm having a, I'm having a, I was having a tough go and I've had a lot of good people. I've had conversations with Mike Stork. I've had conversations with Crystal. I've had conversations with, like I said, the people of good life with, with Rory Gardner and, um, you know, Stork, Stork, if you guys listen to my episode with Mike Stork, he talks a lot about codependency. We had a really long conversation about codependency the other night, um, where he offered some really interesting insights. He talked about how, um, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing his piece pretty open. So I will just say uh, a, a quick uh, preemptive apology if this is not okay. But he just mentioned that for himself personally, he has, um, you know, sometimes when we have self-esteem issues and things like that, your brain develops this whole, like, I can't win thing where every time something good happens for you, you immediately start to fear negative because in your head, if you don't feel good about yourself and you don't feel positive about yourself, you just, you start to develop this, like, I, I can't win thing. Like things are good. What's going to happen? Cause I can't win. And, and Mike is in a great relationship, which he mentioned on the podcast. So I do feel a little at liberty to discuss this, but Mike had said that with his current relationship, the woman he's with, he, he absolutely loves and adores her and she's amazing. And he goes, you know, when I'd be in a good relationship before, I'd think like, oh, you know, you're going to cheat on me or you're going to leave me or something like that. And, uh, and he had said that he's been with her long enough to know that like, that's not who she is. She's a good person. So that's no longer his fear. But with that thought in your brain of like, I can't win. He's like, now I worry that like, you're going to get murdered. Or you're going to get kidnapped. or You're going to get, you know, a disease and die. Like, so, and I, I can relate to that very much. I know that as soon as I start to feel good about something immediately, the thoughts of like, well, this is going to fuck up because you don't deserve to have anything good. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to win. That's not how it works. And and even though I have daily examples of amazing people in my life, I am winning, you know, anyways, it's, it's been rough guys, but, um, I have, uh, one of the things that Rory had suggested was to just create a body of work. You know, this podcast is part of that, but he had said, uh, one of the things that he had done was, uh, he had recorded, um, an album and he told himself that in a year from now I'm recording another album and I'm going to record this kind of album. He had given himself a, a deadline and, um, and that made him work harder. He said, I'm going to do this. I've got to do it. And this is the deadline. 
and I've talked to you guys recently about how I work a lot better when there's a foot on my neck, right? If I just get up every day and like, okay, now just go create, go work on being a comedian. It's kind of like, it feels directionless, directionless. Um, so I, uh, we was chatting and he, he put up, you know, six albums, six years. And he says how every album gets progressively better, but he's building a body of work and it's something that he can share and he can give to people and everything like that. So with that, you know, I'd been playing with the idea that this year when I headline at absolute comedy in Ottawa, my home club, my home city, um, I want to record an album. So I've decided firmly that I will be recording a comedy album this year. So one of the things going to get me out of my funk is that everything I've worked on comedically so far in terms of my favorite 45 minutes to an hour, I will be creating and, uh, and putting on an album. So there you go. A little, little reveal, a little, this will get me out of the, the funk. This gives me something to work on, something to work towards, something that I can create, something I can leave for everyone. Um, anyways, so that's, that's, that's part of it. Um, I have been, uh, like I said, eating better. Um, I have been going to the gym and when I say eating better, it even feels different than before. I'm actually doing a very good job to eat better quality food, to eat less quantities. Um, shout out to, uh, Brent who in, uh, in Alberta, who's doing a great job. I, he credits me with being the inspiration for him losing weight, but I gotta be honest. Like I, I, that's amazing that you've stuck to your goals, man. And that you've, you've lost, lost 25 pounds since the summertime guys. Like that's absolutely outstanding. He's not a big guy. So to, to be losing weight and doing it, I appreciate you crediting me with the inspiration, but, but buddy, you're, you're inspiring me. Like your goal was 25 pounds and you hit your goal, man. Like you're inspiring. I may have inspired you to start. You're inspiring me to finish and actually hit my goals. You know what I mean? So, and, and it's great. And I appreciate you sharing that information because a lot of people might be, you know, enjoying little things I'm saying, but for, for you to take the time to, to reach out and, you know, say that, uh, that I had that influence. I, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like something I'm doing out there makes a difference to some. So I really appreciate that Brent and congratulations to you, dude. Don't stop. Keep, keep doing Or if that was, if that's as far as you want to go with the weight thing, man, set a new goal. And I, I can't wait to celebrate it with you. Um, so yeah, whatever. Um, I, I, I don't know what the universe holds for me guys, which is a fucked up feeling. It's scary, but I'm going to try to just set little goals. Um, crystals give me a bunch of tips too. Um, just a, a lot of the anxiety and stuff like that. And a lot of it was from before when we were talking, um, that I just, I guess I mentally wasn't ready to, to implement or accept and, and just having chatted with her about some of the, the, the ways I'm feeling now it's, you know, she's, she's always, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. I'm not trying to be crazy or over overly, you know, affectionate or anything like that. But one of the reasons I love that woman so much is because of the fact that you know, she speaks whatever crazy language my brain talks, you know, and it can be a lot guys. Like some of the dark thoughts, I feel like I've actually structured in a kind of reasonable way, but, but I felt these thoughts for years when, when her and I were first together, like to, to go into a relationship with someone who has kids and responsibilities and to at first like, oh yeah, I'm this comic, but that posturing shit, that, that facade, that honeymoon phase goes away. And then you're the person looking in the mirror going like, what am I bringing to this relationship? You know, what am I bringing to it? And you start to, you know, have that fear, you know, and I, at the time I didn't know I was afraid. All I knew was just, I started to feel shitty about myself and I, I got very angry and, um, 
I was, I was basically dealing with my fears. I, I've, I've accepted that all anger is fear. And, uh, and man, I was a really angry guy cause I was a really afraid guy and I'm still really afraid. Um, but I'm afraid I know what to do. I have t- better tools to deal with that fear. I know that if I'm afraid of not amounting to anything that I'd better get off my ass and start working towards something. Just this fucking stand up thing. Anything artistic, man. It's like, there's no guarantees. Doesn't matter how hard you work. There's no guarantees. Um, but I'm trying to put more faith into the, you know, you guys who are listening and people who are supportive and want to be there. I got to, you know, I got to at least try. It's like one of those things where like, I can't convince myself I'm going to fail if I'm not even trying, but, um, but it's scary. Like I almost want to give up and take like the safe route, but there is no safe route in life, you know, get them a minimum wage job working at a coffee shop. Like that shit can change anyways. Um, I think I've rambled on about this long enough. All I, all I want to say, Oh, I was, I was in the middle of, of saying that, you know, my, my previous relationship is I've been dealing with a lot of fear. And of course, when you're fearful and at the same time, like I'm not only guy who's just struggling with career, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, financially stable. I wouldn't be living in a fucking weird comedy orphanage if I wasn't, you know, if I was stable. So it's easy to, to be incredibly insecure and then have, like I said, if you, having someone that you care about, but like, you know, when you care about somebody, you don't look at them and be like, man, are they lucky to have me? If you care about somebody and you've got an ounce of self-awareness, you go, fuck, this person's way too good for me, you know? And if you're someone like me, who's got insecurities and self-esteem issues, then you start to get insecure. And when you have a life where you're insecure and you have no stability and you have fears all the time, you know, and then that person makes you feel really good, you know, then, then when you don't start to feel good, when, when your own life and your own issues that are your own issues start to creep back into it. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, the insecurity starts looking at the other person like, oh, you used to make me feel good. Why don't I feel good anymore? You know, and you start to do things differently. And and now your brain is saying, well, it must be something that other person's doing, you know, then you start to get insecure. Now you're, I don't want to say lashing out. for lack of a better term, lashing out, we're not talking about physical or anything like that, but just the idea that your brain is going, well, this person used to make me feel good and now I don't feel good. Well, no, it's because that shit is, you know, the, the, the honeymoon phase is worn off and your problems are still here. You know, just because the sun peeked through the canopy for a while, you are still in the swamp. Okay. And if you don't walk through it, it doesn't matter. You could stand in that sunny spot, you know? But eventually you look down from the, the, the clouds and you still see that you're in the swamp and you know, the, the, the sun can't pull you out. You got to start walking yourself again. And, um, anyways, she's, um, uh, she's always been a really good person to me. And, and you know what? Like I, yeah, fuck. I feel, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to say that I'm very grateful for the level of acceptance that all of you show me. I'm very grateful for the uh, amount of acceptance that, that, that she's shown me in the years. I've been very difficult to, to talk to and deal with. I'm, I'm, you know, especially someone who knows how deep the fears go. I'll be honest. I love you guys. And I, I don't lie to you on this podcast. At least I don't, I don't consciously lie every time I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to eat right and exercise. All right. Well, those, I didn't realize it fall. I didn't think I was, you know, not, uh, not telling the truth at the time, but wow. For those of you listening to the first episode of the one man podcast being this one, it's, uh, this is what it's like, I guess it's not always so dark, but I did warn you. I just want you to know that, that she of all people 
has had to listen to some of the darkest thoughts that I've had, the most critical and cynical. And a lot of those were before I had any kind of tools. So um, I'm, I'm happy to be able to have conversations with her, having a better mindset. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. Like I know she cares about me and we would have conversations where, you know, I was in a dark place and just nothing could get me out of it. And, and again, when you care about somebody, it's hard to listen to them in a dark place, and not be able to do anything to offer suggestions and to have them shot down and, and, you know, and it was me fighting against uh, a lot of stuff. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to say that I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that despite all my, my, you know, rough thoughts and things like that, I'm still able to talk to her and have conversations and, you know, I'm glad she's, I'm glad she's still in my life, you know? Um, but I'm just trying to say through, through this dark stuff, which I've been feeling a lot lately, I think the universe right now is giving me a lot of things that I need. It's giving me people who are listening. It's giving me, you know, like I said, she's back in my life. Um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, um, despite the, the, the very low feelings, um, I've got some particularly high ones. Again, I, it's not lost me before the old me would have been totally lost on all these positives. People, people willing to listen, people willing to help people willing to be there. Like, like I, it, it's a great feeling. And who knows in the future come, Hey, you know, tune into to other episodes. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll get there. But as it stands right now, I am, I'm not suicidal. None of that's going to happen. I just got to a point where I really felt like I needed help and I needed to talk to someone and, uh, it wasn't in my budget. So I'm like, you know, I think these suicide people, they must have some sort of training or some sort of help because I'll tell you what, you can't go, Hey, uh, you know, we need someone to talk to these suicidal people, but, uh, you know, you don't need to have skills or anything. It's a free number, you know, maybe just, just practice having a conversation. Anyone lonely want to talk to someone? we got people who are talking also lonely. Maybe you can talk them out of doing it. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? I mean, if you can't have a psychologist, what are they going to do? Just, just do it anyways. That's a dark thought. All right, guys. Well, with that horrible note, I'm so sorry to my first partners at portablepress.com, Uncle John's bathroom reader. Um, I talked a lot to Storky about, you know, fight or flight. I've talked, Crystal uh, did a great job, uh, you know, when we were together last explaining, you know, talking to me about how stress and anxiety and things like that, like when you feel anxious or you have an anxiety attack, it's almost like your body feels like it's going into fight, fight or flight. It's not even feels like it, it, your body is going to fight or flight. That's what Stork said too, is that your body, your brain will go in from one brain into your lizard brain and your body is fight or flight. It literally feels like it's life and death. And what Crystal had explained to me a long time ago was that, you know, your, your body really feels like it's being attacked or there's danger, imminent danger right now, but there isn't, you know, like a, a stress, like we're here human beings, like the do- like animals don't worry about you know, oh shit, how are the bills going to get paid at the end of the month? And like stressing out and panicking or, oh my God, what if this person, you know, I'm going to have to go talk in front of like animals aren't having fears that aren't there for the most part. You know what I mean? Like they're dealing with him, like, you know, animals are very present. They're very mindful in that way. But, um, yeah, it's just been interesting to me, the whole, like your, your body going through fight or flight, uh, responses. But, um, I decided this week to read from uncle John's bathroom reader ties in together. Uncle John's bathroom reader plunges into the universe because the universe is testing me right now, guys. And I figured, you know what? Maybe I should learn a little bore, a little bore, a little more 
about the universe. So I picked an article called the creature with two brains, huh? It interested me because of the whole lizard brain and, and prefrontal cortex, uh, part of the brain, but, uh, turns out there's another brain. This is not the two brains. I thought this is the creature with two brains. No, it's not some sci-fi monster. It's you come along and meet brain number two. Remember the last time you had a really good scare? Did you suddenly lose your appetite? Did your stomach tie up in knots? Did you feel a pressing need to visit the bathroom? If you've ever reacted to any of these ways to fear, then you've probably noticed something a little puzzling. A good fright always seems to hit you in the gut. Loss of appetite, digestive cramps, diarrhea, all problems of the stomach. And do you know why? Because you've got a second brain and it's in your stomach. In my stomach? Yep, that's right. Your second brain is in your tum-tum. It's called the, the enteric nervous system, and scientists have only known about it for 30 or so years. They compare it to a microcomputer with the better known brain in your head being the mainframe. So what does the second brain have to do with us getting butterflies in our stomachs when we walk into a job interview or when an airplane ride starts to get a little too bumpy? Code red. A lot of your gut's brain time is taken up with controlling and di uh, directing the digestion and absorption of that cheeseburger you had for lunch. No, I didn't. I was a good bitch. Um, but all the same, it's ready for emergencies at a moment's notice. The brain in your stomach is connected to the one in your head through what's called the vagus nerve or vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S, uh, just in case you want to Google it. And when danger approaches, the head brain sends a rapid fire signal via the vagus to the stomach brain. How the stomach reacts is a matter of individual genetic programming. For some people, their stomach will tightly constrict, producing an uncomfortable cramp. Others will get an instant case of the runs and the really unfortunate ones will be sent rushing to the nearest toilet to vomit. So what good does this do when you're in a state of panic fight or flight back in the bad old days, when that stomach cramp was due to the presence of a large and hungry carnivore, your ancestors had a simple choice fight or flight. And no matter which option they chose, doing it on an empty stomach was going to be a whole lot easier. So the enteric, oh, fuck yeah. So the enteric nervous system directed the stomach to empty its digestive system one way or another. That's how scientists explain why we get all those yucky feelings in our guts when we get scared. But the enteric nervous system does more to keep us safe than just getting rid of food. Immune boosters. It turns out that a danger signal from the brain, the one in your skull, causes your immune system to kick in. The brain is telling so-called mast cells in the lining of the small intestine and or colon to release chemicals that trigger an inflammatory response inside the small intestine. This attracts immune cells from the bloodstream into the area, which readies the body for trauma that might introduce dirty and infectious material into the colon. Protecting the midsection is serious business. Since the contents of the digestive tract are swarming with bacteria that can be deadly if they escape, um, sorry, if they, they can be deadly if they escape. If the body is prepared by the presence of large numbers of inflammatory cells called uh, neutrophils, it has a better chance of controlling any infection arising from an injury. This is very ancient, even primordial bodily response. Uh, the downside. For all the good it does, this inflammatory response can sometimes get out of whack. That's what gives us problems like irritable bowel syndrome, a spasmodic condition that plagues its victims with diarrhea, gas, and constipation, and ulcerative colitis, a nasty inflammatory disease of the colon. Uh, the enteric system can explain other problems that are sometimes considered psychological in origin, like difficulty swallowing ulcers or chronic abdominal pain. They're all stress responses in action. Uh, stress being a form of fear. 
To your ancestor, it might have been a saber-toothed tiger closing in. To you or the guy next door, it might be a letter from the IRS. So there you go. That was the creature with two brains. The running feet at the bottom of these two articles is in experiments, octopuses learn to unscrew jars to get to the food inside. Oh fuck. That's interesting. And the other one is a chest X-ray has from 90,000 to 130,000 electron volts. And that guys, my partners at portablepress.com. Uncle John's bathroom reader. That was uncle John's bathroom reader plunges into the universe. And who else are my sponsors? Well, absolute comedy. Of course, looking at the time it is 20 after eight. And I do not think I'm going to make that show on time. I'm going to fucking try, but, um, Oh fuck. I'm not going to make it. Oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. God damn it. Okay. This episode, if I cut this shit short, um, it's cause I'm trying to make it. Oh, and I feel so bad for my, uh, my partners. Okay. Ask absolute comedy. Let's get them fucking gone so I can get on with this goddamn podcast. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And we're back super fast. Uh, Absolute Comedy. I will be headlining at the Kingston Absolute Comedy from November 21st to 24th. Get your tickets for that or any other great show in Ottawa, Toronto, or Kingston at absolutecomedy.ca. And my partners, who did I forget? Didn't forget them. They're right here in front of me. Oh my God, I'm speeding through this shit right now. Um, Astronomy. (laughs) <laughs> that's not my sponsors. My sponsors, DK, Dorling Kindersley. I love these guys. You guys know I love them. I don't have to go on about that. The book I am reading this week is amazing. It's another, I can't say it's the masterpiece that art was. Art was just unfucking believable but this is Astronomy, A Visual Guide. This book is unbelievable. It's all about astronomy. That's astronomy, not astrology. Although astrology has to do with the stars as well, because all of the constellations uh, of astrology are in uh, the, uh, the sky astronomy. So in this book, astronomy, there's shit loads of sections, shit loads of sections. Um, how stars form the, the, um, the history of, of how they've developed astronomy, um, the universe itself and they, what they call the fate of the universe about how it's, you know, how the universe is going to expand and, and how it's going to continue to grow. There's things in this book that have to do with like how the evolutions of stars happen, you know, um, all sorts of different kinds of stars, how to be able to tell in the solar system. Like I, I can't, there's so much information in this book, guys. I can't possibly, um, describe it completely in any kind of linear fashion, but it's got information about all the planets, the moon, you know, the sun, the constellations. There's a ton, a ton of astrological maps in this. Um, if you are interested in space and astronomy, this is a must have. 
not even a joke, a must have the constant shows you all the constellations. I'm looking at Leo right now. Here's a little piece, um, which means lion, of course, here's a little piece of information, uh, for you guys. That's uh, it's a theory, but it's a pretty fucking smart one. Um, and then I'll leave it at that. So I, I, I mean, it's a shit review and I'm so sorry. It's not a shit book. It's an amazing book with so much in it. Um, so many visuals go to, go to dk.com slash CA to be able to look at it. DK.com in the States. Um, or just, you know, Google DK books, um, and you should find it in your local country. Um, I, uh, I know this, I watched something a long time ago that was saying that, you know, the Sphinx, you guys ever heard of the Sphinx there with the Pharaoh's head on it, body of a lion and the Pharaoh's head. Um, there was a theory and there's, uh, you know, I mean, you got to basically believe in aliens or whatever, but so I might lose some of you just with that, but listen to the rest of it. It's actually particularly interesting. Um, is that the uh, Sphinx body of the lion was originally a lion. It was not a Sphinx. It did not have the Pharaoh's head on it, but that there's this large lion monument was built. And because the, um, the Pharaohs back then, they didn't like to have anybody else worshiped, right? Except for themselves to have this big lion inexplicably, you know, there with no explanation, they didn't, they didn't like it. So one of the Pharaohs and, you know, if I'd looked it up and, and, you know, whatever, and I have some answers for you, one of the Pharaohs didn't like it. Um, so the, the, um, the argument is that the Pharaoh had his face, you know, engraved into the lion. So this, they actually, the, the, the thing I was watching had like a 3d rendition of what a lion would look like in this, in scale of what the Sphinx was. And then they showed what the, what would have been chipped away to make the Pharaoh's head, which is why the Pharaoh's head looks odd on the lion. It doesn't look appropriate. Um, but they were saying that it makes sense that it would have been a lion there, you know, because the lion, the, the Sphinx is actually facing the constellation Leo. So they say that, you know, maybe aliens or previous civilizations had, had built it and they were, we were using, you know, astronomy and they had built a lion and faced it towards the constellation Leo. Eh, who knows if there's anything to it, but my partner's at dk.com slash CA. I love these guys. Astronomy's good. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the shitty review. Uh, DK, I don't give a fuck if you guys didn't like the shitty review. All right. I love DK. They're amazing. This book is great. And I would love to have talked more about it, but I think I went too long about how the universe, I'll tell you what this book doesn't talk about. Talks about, doesn't talk about what the universe wants for me. What's my trajectory What's the fate of Josh Williams in the universe? I'm not in this book, okay? When you're talking about the universe, all right, not in the center of it, how the fuck am I not in there? Um, so thank you, DK.com. What's coming up this week, guys? Oh, man, we day tomorrow. Oh, I gotta go do a show tonight that I may or may not make. <clears throat> and then I gotta uh, get up at the crack of fucking dawn tomorrow. I'm going to a great, you know what it is? Tomorrow is a great day. It's a great family event happening at the Canadian Tire Center um, where the senators play, it's all about positivity and motivation, everything it could again, right? Sometimes the universe gives you exactly what you need. Well, I'm working this event tomorrow, just part of the things I do with the lovely people at karma. And I am going to be there listening to what all these amazing people have to say, hopefully more inspiration. So, you know, I got showered in the darkness. Now the sunshine's coming into this swamp for a little bit here. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I actually get to do that with uh, my buddy, Chris, who's a regular writer and right. Chris, who writes in the emails, Chris is going to be there with me tomorrow. Got him in on that shiz it. So, uh, going to do that. I've got some, uh, a ton of LCBO activations to this week and I'll be doing a lot of Uber, but that's the only thing on the sketch right now. So, um, looking forward to it. Um, no emails this week. Why? Cause you guys hate me and you want me to kill myself. No, I'm kidding. Um, contact at one man podcast.com. All right. I got real deep. All right. I opened up some fucking wounds and I shared it with, I don't know who, because anyone can listen to this podcast. 
So I, I put my heart on my sleeve. I threw it out there and I, I so far have not been punished for being honest and vulnerable. So if anybody else, you know, I don't know what you guys are going through. And I know a lot of you people that I, that probably to me seem like you guys have it all together and you're living life and you're loving things. Maybe you got some dark shit going on. If you want to share something, if you want to fucking put it out there, I'm happy to do it. Or if you just want to talk about how amazing your life is, or if you want to give me shit for, you know, anything, (laughs) which seems to be the bulk of my emails. Hi, Josh. I noticed you weren't smart enough to know this, or you didn't get this right. So fine. You want to just tell me I'm wrong about something. I'm fine with that too, but I'm all alone out here. You guys, 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 send me an email, man, man. They can help me not feel so alone. Um, no, it's not a cry for help. Watch me, watch me get more emails ever. Cause they're like, all right, fine. We didn't realize us not paying attention to you was going to make you kill yourself. I'm not going to kill myself. Stop saying that you guys, um, contact at one man podcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Send me your emails are like sunshines through the canopy in the swamp. It just makes me feel like, oh, now we can talk about what you want to talk about. Not what I want to talk about. You know what? If I had 15 emails a week, wouldn't have time to bitch about how shitty my fucking awesome life is. All right. So contact at one man podcast.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. All right. Subscribe. If you're, if you're on Facebook and somehow you stumbled across this and this is the first episode you listened to, maybe I started to get into the dark shit and you were across the room cooking, didn't have a chance to turn it off. And before you knew it, you were just sucked in and go, what is this? It, the, the tag on this thing said it was in the comedy section. It said it's a comedy podcast. This wasn't funny at all. Well, that's fine. You can leave a review only if it's five stars though. <clears throat> no, you can subscribe on iTunes. I got interviews. I got other episodes there. I'm having a good week and I love everything. Uh, so feel free to subscribe. If you don't know how, if you're listening to it on social media, Twitter, anything like that, and you are like, oh, I would love to subscribe, but I don't know how I just saw this. I click play. Uh, feel free to message me or reach out to me or, or email contact one of my podcasts and say, how do I subscribe? It's free. You say, and all I have to do is click a button and it's mine every week at no charge. Yes, it is that simple. No trickery, no asterisks, no easy payments. It is yours for free. All you need to do is send an email to contact one of my podcasts, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and it'll be what it is. And finally, of course, um, you know, leave a review, give me five stars and just say, hang in there, Josh, just, you know what your, your review can literally just be two words. Just say, don't jump. And that's fine with me. Five stars. Don't jump because that's a perfect way to sum up what this podcast is. It's me going, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Excuse me. So, all right. At this point, this podcast is officially getting in the way of my standup. So, um, I love you guys. There's good things out there. There's bad things out there. I'm trying to focus on the good and I'm trying to plow through the bad. I love you guys. Have a good week. Don't work too hard. Uh, you know, unless you feel like you're never going to make it, in which case double your efforts, double down, split the cards, hit me, hit me, hit me, keep going. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon.
Don't you make 